Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I am Amy Zellmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I'm going to be joined by Dr. Emily Riley, and we're going to talk all about home accommodations after brain injury. This episode is brought to you by the Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are leaders in neural recovery and experienced in treating complex concussion cases with dysautonomia, vertigo, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at the functionalneurologycenter.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, which is available on Amazon, and I recently launched the Brain Health Magazine. You can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer, and don't forget to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Dr. Emily Riley, and she is the founder and CEO of Purposefully Home. She is a licensed occupational therapist and holds an executive certificate in home modifications. Her passion for empowering people that have suffered from or care for those with brain injury has stemmed from both personal and professional experiences. She helps improve how people function within their home environments by incorporating a holistic analysis of the home, all residents within the space, as well as the ability levels and interests of the clients looking to better manage their independence by optimizing their environment. Dr. Riley has witnessed firsthand the direct impact on individuals with brain injury a supportive environment can have on improved organization, concentration, mood, and emotional management, as well as empowering individuals in obtaining personal goals, such as living independently, obtaining employment, building and maintaining relationships, participating in leisure activities, and so much more. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Riley. So happy to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you. Yeah, and I'm really excited. This is a topic that we have not had on the podcast, and I think it's really important and um, you have just so many tidbits in your bio that I can't wait to dig into. So, um, but yeah. first, let's have let's start by having you just share with the listeners how you have come to work in the brain injury community. Um, so I've always had an interest in helping people. <laughs> so becoming an occupational therapist was, um, you know, pretty natural. But when I was a teenager, my mom had fallen ill with a 
brain virus, so it would be considered an acquired brain injury and not traumatic. Um, mm-hmm. And so we had, she had brain surgery, and I witnessed her experience, which was pretty grim initially, and doing so many doctor's appointments and different tests and wanting to do research to figure out what was going on. Um, and so my family just came together and did everything they could to at least bring her home with us, and we didn't know what the future looked like. Um, And over time, miraculously, I just saw how incredible the brain is, and her recovery was pretty remarkable and explainable. (laughs) So she went from being nonverbal, half of her left side was paralyzed, she couldn't walk, she was you know, her behaviors were very different. Um, And taking a look at before her surgery compared to after her surgery, um, you know, you could kind of piece together, oh, I guess something hadn't been right for quite a bit of time, and we just didn't know. Um, And so over time, and now her surgery was about 18 years ago, just this past March. Um, And that's amazing. They didn't think she was going to last a couple, couple of months. So now she can walk and talk and you wouldn't even know she had brain surgery. So I got to witness at a young age firsthand how amazing that was. And it just mm-hmm. always struck my curiosity to, to continue. Um, and so once I went through occupational therapy school, um, I, my very first job was in a brain, a long-term acute care, which was brain injured patients. Um, so that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that you know, and I think those who have a personal um, connection with brain injury, whether you know it was their own or loved ones, I just think they have so much more compassion and understanding, and just make the best clinicians because they get it, you know, um, opposed to someone yeah. who's never had any direct experience. So, yeah, yeah. I can I can see that. Um, because it really is a unique experience and it can be, there's so many dynamics, um, you know, behaviors and outbursts and physical changes. And, and I think maybe you've mentioned on some of your material when I was looking um, that it's kind of an, it can be an invisible um, illness because some people can experience brain Mm -hmm. trauma and, then still walk and talk and look just fine, but really suffer um, some debilitating symptoms as a result anyway. So definitely having some sort of a personal connection, I, I agree, can, can really help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you help people, you know, kind of modify their homes. And I know often when we think of modifications, we think of having to put ramps in and handrails and that kind of kind of thing. Um, But it can also be much simpler, right? I mean, once you've had a brain injury, um, you know, you're at a higher fall risk. Right. Especially if you're having dizzy and balance and coordination issues. And I know for me, one of the first things I did, I got rid of all of my um, like little decorative area rugs because I kept tripping Uh on those suckers because I wasn't fully (laughs) lifting my feet. I was kind of shuffling. 
So, you know, what are some of the small modifications people can make um, just to make their living environment a little safer and easier to navigate? Yeah, so that's kind of why I liked the title of home accommodations um, to kind of bring light to a lot of the smaller things that people can do for that reason. Um, people think home modifications that it has to be a really expensive investment and it has to be sterile and ugly. <laughs> so um, because people do have some subtle symptoms, there are a lot of things that you can do really just by um, changing the location of where items are in the house. So, I mean, you could even get away with not purchasing items, like you said, removing um, the throw rugs on the floors, uh, changing the light bulbs. People often mm, suffer, yeah. uh, you know, stress and strain causing headaches. And so if the lighting isn't quite right and you're not noticing shadows or glare, um, it could just be a matter of, <clears throat> excuse me, changing the light bulbs or removing a light shade or changing the color of a light shade. A lot of people might have, you know, the colors to match their room, the dark shade over it, but that's covering all the light that you need to be able to do an activity that, that you're trying to pay attention to. Um, and then other things are paying attention to the, the sounds in the house. If you think about the, the drone of the refrigerator or the dishwasher, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the ticking of the clock. If you're trying to concentrate on uh, reading something for work or looking at the computer and in the background, your brain isn't able to disseminate, you know, that noise. And so how are you going to concentrate on trying to organize your medication for the week if you're constantly hearing that tick, tick? <laughs> So either removing that or changing the location um, or maybe using a digital clock instead. Um, you know, unfortunately, sometimes the refrigerator, maybe we can't do much about. But being mindful of that and being mindful of when you're using some of the household appliances, the washer and the dishwasher. So kind of just organizing your day um, for those types of activities. Um, and then even paying attention when for meal planning and prepping, kind of organizing uh, the location of items so that you're not having to go back and forth because concentration can be a big um, impact on being successful in completing a task. So many people, unfortunately, give things up quickly as opposed to trying right. to find another way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, you know, if something has the the kind of running joke is, you know, if it has more than two steps, I probably can't do it, right? Um, and, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and that's kind of the the sad reality for many, especially in more, you know, in the first couple of years following the brain injury. Um, you know, I, I eventually kind of le relearned how to be able to follow steps and instructions, especially for cooking. Cooking was really, really challenging because it does involve a lot of steps and layers and yeah. doing more than one thing at once, right? Like you might have to start yeah. something on the stove while you're still doing something else. And so, um, you know, another um, uh, challenge that comes up often is just organization as a whole like people can't get into the groove of how like their house just becomes a disaster 
Um, you know, yeah. I think part of it is apathy. You know, they don't have that motivation to actually mm-hmm. just get up and, and pick it up. But then I think there's another component to it that, you know, like your executive functioning has been impaired and you really don't know how to organize it. Like, how do I pick it yeah. up? How do I put things back? Um, and I, I've recently learned that there's actually a lot involved in that. Um, and it's a whole different process than, say, the average person, um, the way that we organize. So, you know, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, actually, that is a really common one. Um, and it's really hard because the person may not always realize it or they're struggling really, really badly with, you know, feeling guilty and feeling not good enough. And, you know, the external validation or, you know, the hardships that people are giving from because they don't understand. So family or relatives or, um, you know, maybe employers, you know, why can't you get to work on time? Why don't you Mm, take a shower? Why don't you just do the dishes, <laughs> you know, I can't do everything around here. And so it can really cause quite a bit of tension yes, in a household. Yes. Um, I definitely worked with a lot of clients and patients that, you know, have suffered this very, this very same thing, um, not knowing how to organize the mail. And so um, just working on going through the mail there, they get anxious because of the bills. And so they don't want to open it to even just look at it. So it's, it can be a lot more factors than just the the fact of being a mess <laughs> or being a slob. Um, so I've, you know, had clients too that just have no concept of time. And so they might be mm-hmm. watching television and they'll say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And they really do mean well. They They really think they'll get up and, you know, go through their ADLs, their – you know, morning routine or, you know, get, get to that task of picking up the laundry, but then the whole day goes by. Um, and so it really takes a lot of structure and a lot of consistency, um, kind of looking at those small wins. So we can be overwhelmed by the whole thought of, yeah, okay, I have to go through the mail. I have to open it. I have to read it. And then I have to put it in a, in a category or a pile and decide, you know, what's important. Same thing with the laundry. You know, some of us <laughs> take that for granted, but whites have to go here. And if it's delicate, it has to go here. And now, oh my gosh, like that's overwhelming <laughs> for me to think about, you know, don't shrink it or have the colors. So, um, so really going, breaking it down to the most simplest step. And as an occupational therapist, that's what's so helpful of being able to go into people's homes and help with accommodations and modifications beyond what, um, you know, just a traditional contractor would do that might have a special, a special certification such as caps or clips, which really does look at the structure of the home. But having that background as an OT, we can mm-hmm. kind of get to the, get to the cause of it. Is it that you just don't care <laughs> Or are you having a difficult time concentrating? Um, so having great success with, you know, setting a cookie timer or a baking timer said, okay, you know, we start small. So when this timer goes off, we're going to just, you know, put the small envelopes on this pile. And, you know, maybe it takes two weeks to get through it instead of 
a couple of hours, but if you can kind of break it down and color code or simplify what it is you're doing and make, yeah, like you said, make it those simple steps that you're not necessarily having to think through and process. Um, it's kind of a matching game in a sense. Mm-hmm. And you brought up a really good point a few minutes ago about, you know, how the family or the, the spouse, they don't, they don't always understand um, our inability to get tasks done and to organize. And, you know, the whole concept of, you know, well, why didn't you do the dishes? You only had one thing to do today. Why didn't you do the dishes? And, you know, this, yeah. this is a complaint I hear very frequently um, in like spouse and caregiver groups. Um, so, you know, what advice do you have for them in how to understand this a little better? Like it's part of the brain injury. It's not just that they don't want to do the dishes. Um, you know, it's not that <laughs> at all. So, you know, what advice do you have for the spouses and caregivers listening? That really is a common question that I get as a clinician. Why are they sleeping so much? Why do they only sit and for hours and, you know, stare at the wall or watch TV? And why won't they help? Um, you know, their arms work. They're strong enough. And that's one thing I think we all have difficulty with as humans is our expectations of what other people are supposed to be doing. And so I really think, um, you know, kind of taking a step back and thinking, you know, really addressing more the safety concerns initially. And if it's not harming, you know, you or them, then it's not a big deal. And really coming, you know, starting small. So trying to be more of a a partner, Um, you know, you want to be empathetic, but certainly that doesn't just come naturally to everybody and you can have compassion towards the situation. But when you're feeling so burdened and stressed because you're dealing with this in addition to your own roles, it really can be overwhelming. So um, trying to come up with a plan with the person as best you can. So kind of, as I mentioned, you know, coming up with one small thing. So maybe you, you know, they're not going to wash the dishes. So what will make you feel a little better and help empower them um, instead of we naturally just take it over? Um, and I think that's kind of something that may cause some of that enabling behavior. You know, when mm-hmm. people are initially ill and initially coming home, we want to take care of them. We want them to get better. We want them to just rest. But our brain doesn't work that way. Our brain is, you're training the brain at that point. And so for people that maybe are new on set that are listening, I really encourage you to come up with a routine and a schedule and, you know, keep it simple, but keep that person accountable to doing that as opposed to doing it for them because you're really enabling that behavior. And for those that maybe have been suffering with this for you know, quite a while now, um, trying to pivot and come up with something. So if they're not going to do the dishes, can they help set the table? If they're not going to do the whole sequence of laundry, can they sit and fold the, the socks, you know? And it really has to be kind of a collaborative and kind of a, you know, maybe more of a give than a give and take, um, but really just, you know, giving grace and 
setting the expectations low and just kind of growing together. Um, Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, yeah, you are really just going to be frustrated at the end of the day and your stress is just going to continue to rise. Um, And, you know, then it just continues and perpetuates that problem. So, so coming up with a plan, if it's writing it down, you know, today, here's only one thing and keeping it visual, you know, using the timer, having a calendar, and as opposed to, hey, remember you said you're going to do that? Hey, you're going to do that because nobody likes to be nagged. So some people yeah. out of spite, I've, I've seen it and heard it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> refuse to do it because you're bothering me and that's annoying. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Especially after brain injury. Yes, yes. I totally... <laughs> totally relate to that. Um, You know, for me, I know early in my recovery, and even now, you know, it kind of developed into a habit, but I really had to put things in specific places, like everything had to have its home. Um, Like the dog leash had to go here, the keys had to go here, my purse went here, my phone would go here. Um, Because if I accidentally, like if I came in the house, and say I was carrying a bag of groceries, so I went into the kitchen and just sat my keys on the counter. I would spend hours the next time I had mm-hmm. to go out looking for my keys, <laughs> even though they were in plain sight, right? But they weren't where they were yes. supposed to be on the hook. Um and so I know that that's a frustration um, for some survivors, like when caregiver or even just a friend that maybe comes over to help clean the house, um, they don't understand that we have things where we need them. <laughs> um, right. So how, you know, how can people go about helping their family members, um, you know, like, so as a caregiver, you know, how can you help that process and making sure that they know you know, you can't just, okay, so if your keys have constantly gone here, you can't all of a sudden say, hey, let's put your keys here instead, right? Like, how right. Um, how do you help families integrate those kind of changes? So, I actually have, um, when I work with families, I have kind of a care book that I give them. Um, and this works because I work with people not only with brain injury, but dementia as well. And so, um because that's what is challenging is a lot of times it can be a primary family caregiver that is spending all their time with this person. Well, now maybe they have to go out of town or maybe they're having surgery and they're kind of out of commission or family that lives out of town is in town and now they want to do everything they can to be helpful while they're in town for a few days. And while that certainly is meaning well, um, it does really disrupt the the routine and with brain injury being consistent and being routine is necessary for success. Um, You know, if you have an off day, like you kind of mentioned, it it can throw everything off and now (laughs) you don't know where your keys are. So it has to make sense for the person and as many um, systems that maybe they had in place prior to their injury that you can kind of incorporate you know, really is key. But also I um, will provide families with a care book. And so in the care book, it is a binder and it has everything. I mean, it has details like what time do they prefer to get up in the morning? What do they prefer to have breakfast, you know, for breakfast? What do they take a nap? Um, 
you know, what television show, what physical activity do they do? Um, because that way when a new caregiver comes in or, for example, yeah, if you have a paid caregiver and so it can't always be the same person, um, it might be somebody new stepping in, then it's not a disaster of a day just because it's a new person. They can go to this um, binder and look and it shows, you know, favorite colors, favorite food, favorite thing to do when they're stressed out. Um, and so really kind of completing that has helped so many families because it minimizes that disruption to their schedule. So um, I definitely would recommend sitting with, uh, you know, your loved one or your the person you're caring for and kind of making a book, you know, that way whoever comes into the home knows to as soon as before they do anything or touch anything, <laughs> they can look at this book. Um, and, you know, it won't always fix all of the the, itch, the issues. Right. <laughs> it can really help alleviate um, a lot of that stress because they're not asking too many questions, which is going to overstimulate the person um, who might already be stressed because it's a new person or it's a new, you know, you're, you're messing everything up. <laughs> and can, so that I definitely recommend. Um, kind of making like a little care book. Yeah, that's a really great idea. I know um, my friend's grandmother uh, has a paid caregiver come in every day um, and it's a rotation of several. It's, it's consistently the same three people, but they rotate, Um, but it's a very similar book. And um, I always thought that that was really neat. Plus then um, the family can look at it too and see, uh, what what they did yeah. that day, you know, um, exactly. But you know, for for families, um, so oh, I want to kind of talk about routine and getting in a routine, whether you live alone or whether you do live with your family. Um, I know routine can be challenging, but it can also be um, comforting, right? And yes. I know for me, I lived alone. Um, I tried to get up at the same time every day. Um, but if I didn't feel like it, I, I didn't. Right. And I was just, I gave mm-hmm. myself grace that, you know, well, I don't feel good today. I'm just going to keep sleeping. Um, but, you know, I had routine. I got up. I had to take my dog out. That was, like, first thing. And then I'd feed the dog. And then I'd make my coffee. And then I would sit down and check my emails. Um, and that was kind of my morning routine. Um, and I remember one day I forgot to put the actual water in the coffee maker. <laughs> and so it was, like, smoking. And I thought that, I thought it broke. Like, I thought it had just died on me or something. But it yes. threw my whole day off because <laughs> I didn't have my coffee. <laughs> and then, you know, like, I was all out of sorts because my routine had been interrupted. Um, and eventually, you know, I... I got myself back together, but, um, you know, having some sort of routine, you know, it doesn't have to be a whole day scheduled out, but like having some routine, having a morning ritual, having an evening ritual before you go to bed. Um, you know, like I would watch, I would give myself a couple hours of TV and then I would go up to my bedroom and write my gratitude journal. 
do some meditation and breathing, um, you know, get the dog ready for bed. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like having a kid. Um, yeah. And then we'd go to bed, you know, um, brush your teeth, all that kind of stuff in the evening. Um, you know, and I actually had a whiteboard and mm-hmm. I could look at it and know what it was that I was supposed to do. Cause I mean, I know for someone who hasn't dealt with a brain injury, it's really hard to understand, but like you forget like basic things like, Oh, I was yes. supposed to brush my teeth or, Oh, I got to <laughs> put pajamas on before I get into bed. Or, you know, I mean, like it's things that we take for granted that don't, work properly anymore (laughs) absolutely um having the whiteboard and having a checklist i mean you can have the little desk size whiteboard you know everywhere and that's something you know a strategy that i've used with with clients is yeah put it on the mirror that way it's like okay did you brush your hair did you brush your teeth did you wash your face check 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 (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know in the kitchen you know, did you turn off the coffee pot? Did you lock the door in having it kind of in the same space? Same thing with medications. People tend to maybe, oops, I forgot to take that. Oh, I'll take it tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> but, yes. you know, after a brain injury, that could be, you know, pretty important, especially anti-seizure yeah. medications or um, anti-anxiety and different medications that people are on. That's important to be consistent. So, so definitely, you know, utilizing the whiteboard or calendar um, because orientation, even remembering what day it is. And we're really at an advantage at this day and age because of technology. So what might not work, you know, what works for some people doesn't work for everybody. And so Mm -hmm. unfortunately, you know, as frustrating as it can be, it's just kind of another opportunity for trial and error. But you know, you have to identify what will work for your system and what you will look. Because, I mean, a whiteboard does no good if somebody else is filling it out and you're forgetting to look at it. Or (laughs) if you're realizing that you're just, you know, just because they're hanging there doesn't mean we're using it. Um, So maybe putting it into a cell phone so you're getting those auditory alerts um, or people utilizing Alexa or Siri, um, you know, for some of that automated uh, reminders is super helpful, mm-hmm. but definitely having a routine and, and not overextending, you know, that's, that's, I think what we all do yes. <laughs> is yeah, okay, yeah. I have to get up at this time and I have to do all these things before I go to work at eight. And it's like, well, that's about a whole day's worth of a list. <laughs> of a list. So let's be realistic. Um, yes. it, and so like you mentioned, splitting it up. So you enjoy reading and enjoy journaling and you have your dog to care for. Um, And so kind of identifying what you must do each morning and that's, you know, get up, walk the dog, brush your teeth, and then what you would like to do and figuring out where you can, you can fit that in. Um, But yeah, by having that consistent to model through um, and that accountability, um, when you Mm -hmm. feel like, you've lost everything and you have nothing and people are telling you you can't do this anymore and no, you can't do that. And no, you can't go there. And, you know, it is really common to just be like, okay, well, I'll just sleep and watch TV. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, Yep. But if you feel empowered to participate and if people are kind of working with you, 
um, to help you get engaged and figuring out things. But for people that, you know, live alone, it can be more difficult. And for people that even live with people, it can be because they feel overshadowed. So, mm-hmm. so it really is important to find something. And, you know, if it's a, if you're not able, you know, some people are pretty severe and aren't really able to live on their own, but is there a supportive environment that they can either live in so that they're surrounded by people of a similar age or similar, you know, level? Um, Is there a volunteer opportunity that they can go to just so that you feel, you know, we all want to feel like we're needed and we want to have that sense of pride and autonomy. So, so definitely having that support is, is really key. Well, Dr. Riley, we are just about out of time and this has been such a great conversation. We could talk for hours about all this stuff. Yeah, um, I know. There's but, so many things. <laughs> but do you have any final thoughts, words of wisdom for our listeners today? Um, really just to kind of take a take a glimpse and think about what your current experiences are you experiencing headaches are you having difficulty following a routine um you know what are your struggles within your home is it finding things that you need on a regular basis and like i said it doesn't have to be um very expensive high-tech remodels you know just start in one room maybe it's the bathroom um, and set it up so that the items that you need or maybe the items that you forget to do, create that checklist in the bathroom. Yeah. Um, make that if you're not really enjoying, you know, a routine and consistent for showering, you know, figure out your collaborative partner and who's helping, you know, to set up that space. So, you know, try not to go through the whole house, but identify maybe some of those triggers. What is it that you're struggling with? And then kind of see what you can do about changing it. What, like I mentioned, it could be the lighting, maybe it's the the curtains, you know, the color of the room, the sounds of the room. So kind of think about each of your senses um, and see how it's being triggered or affected. And think about what makes you feel better. You know, is it certain sounds, yeah. certain scents? Um, you know, it it really is a whole sensory experience as you know, maybe frou-frou as that sounds. <laughs> no, but, it's totally um, true. Yeah. But it really does matter. And I think that, um, you know, beyond the physical abilities of people, I think that's what really goes amiss. And um, I think if you start there, you might find you start to have a little bit more success in some of the, the finer details and be able to enjoy those activities again. Well, great advice, Dr. Riley. Thank you so very much for being here today and sharing your time with our listeners. We really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. I hope it was helpful to your listeners, and I really appreciate chatting with you and hearing your story, too. Well, thank you so much for being here, and thank you, everyone, for listening today. I really hope uh, you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Riley and took away some really good golden nuggets. And just another thank you to our podcast sponsor, um, the Functional Neurology Center. They are the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. Find them online at thefunctionalneurologycenter.com.
And don't forget to join Amy's TBI Tribe on Facebook. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I will see you all again next time.